0: Good morning. good morning. Good to see uh, many familiar and dear faces um and good to see some new ones as well. It's uh, it's been a year or two since I've come here last and uh, <clears throat> I'm delighted to hear the good news of uh, 11 or 15 rather that were baptized this uh, past teen camp and uh, to hear of uh, the encouragement to those leaders who are working with the youth. Uh, Also good to hear that you have VBS coming and you have meetings for uh, children, ladies, adults. We just had our VBS that finished a week ago. And um, for the first time I got involved, in addition to just printing banners and stuff, we got involved with uh, teaching adults, and we had five sessions with the the mothers that came, and uh, we had a fruitful time. Um, One person commented, it was nice to see so many in the assembly working together. And that's what VBS does, it rallies a lot of the Lord's people to do the work, so we're workers together with him. And um, that person that commented says, it was good to see all four elders involved. So usually one or two elders are involved, and being it's in the evening, more of us were able to get involved, and uh, it was my first time actually working with them, and we enjoyed it. it was, uh, we were able to make four out of five nights. One night we worked till 10 p.m., but the rest we had to get out early and make it.
1: <clears throat> well,
0: you are <clears throat> I'm not sure why I'm losing my voice. We are in... Uh, you guys have covered a um, couple of chapters in First Thessalonians, and um, should I be waking this up? No, it's up. Okay. And I have uh, listened to the podcast and heard good messages uh, by Brother Kevin and Brother Joey, which by the way, Joby Monteleone is speaking at our chapel this morning, so uh, I'm sure he's thinking of me, <laughs> I'm thinking of him. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Um, And I noticed that Joey finished with verse 16. I know it's not mandatory to cover every verse, but for the sake of continuity, and it fits together with what I'm studying, I went back to 2.17 and through the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians. So we're going to look at these verses. So the first... uh, The first portion is God's, uh, or Paul's plans. We look at Paul's plans in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to 20. Since you were torn away, since we were torn away from you, I'm reading from the ESV. Since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope and joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. <clears throat> you are our glory and joy. Now, I know um, the first meeting you've had, you had a little bit of background. And uh, our brother Kevin gave you, went back to Acts and looking at Acts 17, which happens to be what we're studying on Wednesday night. So I was very familiar with what uh, has transpired in Paul's second missionary journey. So Paul had gone to Thessalonica and trouble arose for him from the Jews, not from the Gentiles, but from the Jews. He spoke for three weeks at the synagogue and then the Jews found some rough men in the city and they created a problem and they accused him of being of, of teaching that there is another king other than Caesar. And Caesar is our king. They wanted to say that Caesar, they're bringing Jesus, they're speaking of Jesus as their king. Now, did they really care about who is their king? They didn't, but they just wanted to silence Paul and Silas. And uh, what they resorted to doing is, uh, they, they the mob went and they looked for Paul and he was uh, staying with Jason and Paul wasn't there. So they took Jason to the magistrates. And uh, uh, Thessaloniki, Thessalonica was a was a city that enjoyed some freedom from Rome. They, they, they let them rule themselves kind of. And they don't want any trouble with Rome. So they kind of said, you know, let's pay a bond, promise that you will not, uh, Uh, create a commotion again and uh, we'll let let Paul escape, we'll let Paul leave. So Paul didn't want to cause any trouble for Jason or the believers there and we learned that many accepted the Lord and some prominent women in that city as well. And Paul decided to just leave them and he moved on to Berea and then from there to Athens and then to Corinth. But so Paul left them. He was torn away from them. That's how he describes it. Torn away. Um, The Greek for this, I'm not going to pronounce it, is to make an orphan of, to cause someone to be um, spaciously separated with the implication of additional emotional deprivation to separate or deprive separated from you for a time, or separated and deprived of your company for a time that we have in this portion here. And he speaks of them that you are my crown. Uh, I should really open the passage here. And um, what is uh, we, we, read, we read in Scripture that there are many crowns. Um, some say they're four, some say they're five. There's a crown of rejoicing for the soul winner. That's, that's what we have here, the crown of rejoicing. So soul winners will receive a crown. They rejoice because they were ones who won little ones to the Lord or brought souls to the Lord. A crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing. In 2 Timothy 4 8, crown of righteousness. Then we also read of crown of life for the martyr. The martyr will receive a crown of life. And then we read the crown of glory. First Peter speaks of the crown of glory for the shepherd, for the faithful shepherd. And also some say there is the uncorruptible crown. I think they're all uncorruptible. So I don't think there's a crown of uh, incorruption, but Some say there is. We'll know in heaven whether there is a crown of the incorruptible crown. I think they're all incorruptible. So now we go into chapter three, and this is Rome, his visit, Timothy's visit. Um, Let's look at this here. Sorry about that. Okay. Verses 1 to 5, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one... Let no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we we are destined for this. Sorry, I uh, I should read it from here, so I'm staying with you. Um, Verse 4. And when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer afflictions, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter has tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So here the Apostle Paul sent Timothy. He, he decided that he's going to stay in Athens alone. It was nice to be working together. It was nice to be with a group of missionaries. There's something about working together that when you're left alone, it's a, it's a, I feel it sometimes. I come in on a Lord's Day morning and not many of us men are present at the Lord's Supper. And it's like, you feel it. You feel like, where, where are the, the worshipers? Well, thank the Lord for women worshipers that are present, but I, I'm looking for those who are going to worship audibly. And there's only two or three of us, and it's, uh, it saddens our hearts sometimes when we see that this person is vacationing, that person is taking their son to camp, that person is doing this and that, and there's nobody. I like it when they do the uh, shepherding conference at, uh, at uh, Greenwood Hills. They make the men go back, and you're back at the assembly on the Lord's Day, so they don't take the men away. They figure you're shepherds, you're better be with your sheep on Sunday. I like that. He couldn't bear any longer to see himself separated from his babes in Christ. He couldn't bear any longer to see. He was snatched away from them. It was not something that he was happy to do, but he did it for the sake of safety and peace of these believers, especially that Jason put up a bond and, and, and promised that Paul would not make any more trouble. So for that reason, he decided to send Timothy. And look at these endearing words. I sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Timothy was a young man. And this is one of the early epistles, could be the one after Galatians that Paul wrote. But you look at the descriptions of Timothy in different portions of Scripture, different epistles, they seem to, be grow, to grow bigger and bigger. And here he is calling him my brother. There's equality here. It's not like I'm the apostle and he is a youngster in the faith. My brother. God's co-worker. We are workers together with God in the gospel of Christ. So he sent him for two reasons. To exhort and to establish and exhort you in your faith. To establish and exhort you in your faith. Establish. To cause someone to become stronger in a sense of more firm and unchanging in attitude or belief. To strengthen and make firm. When you turn back, you must strengthen your brethren or your fellow disciples. Remember who this is spoken for? That's that's Peter. The Lord told Peter that. They strengthened the believers in Acts 14.22. And the churches were strengthened. So you see these different portions of the scripture, strengthened in the faith. So the establishing and strengthening here has to do with the foundation that they're they're firm. To establish and to exhort. The next word we hear is exhort. To exhort you in the faith. To urge or to cause someone to be encouraged or consoled, either by verbal or nonverbal means, to encourage, to console, encouragement. And uh, in Ephesians 6.22, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. And then in uh, Acts 13.15, if you have any message of encouragement for the people. If any encouragement in Christ, in Philippians 2.1. So this is the word encouragement, to exhort and encourage. Encourage you in the faith. Encourage you in that path of faith that you've taken, in your walk with the Lord, in your journey, uh, in a life that's pleasing to him, to encourage you in that regard. Uh, we did a spiritual gifts seminar, and there was a little test that we had at the last, it was a four-hour session, well, 345-minute session. So in the last 45 minutes, we were doing this test and answering some questions. So I objected. I said, you know, I could answer the questions now, and I can have one answer, and I can answer it. the day later, I can have a different answer. How could that be a true test? I rather said, take it, take it, anyway. It was uh, Habib, uh, or um, Dr. Ramzi Safoury uh, Hanan's, uh, husband who was doing it, and uh, he said, just do it with Hanan's, uh, sorry, Hanan's husband is here, <laughs> Hanan's brother, uh, doctor, he was doing it. He says, well, it's generally true, just do the test, just don't think too much about it. So the, the interesting thing is, sometimes we desire certain things, and we say, for instance, if you ask the question, are you comfortable to... Go and introduce yourself in a crowd. I'm not comfortable. I learned to get over my inhibitions because I felt those inhibitions were pride. I was, I was intimidated by others and I needed to overcome that for the sake of Christ. I needed to grow up. And that's, so now I am, but I wasn't. By nature, I'm not. Well, maybe it's a gift from the Spirit then. You see what I mean that, that one has? So the Lord does change you and he puts those desires in you and so exhortation came as one of my strong ones. And others, so after I answered my things and had my objection, um, Dr. Ramsey asked others. We, we all had to stand up and, and say what our gifts were. So I read mine, and he asked others. He said, okay, do you think any of the ones that Kemal said are his? Do you, do you doubt that? They all agreed. No, that's it. That's what we find that Kemal I said, wow. Okay, well, thank you, Lord. I got the confirmation of others at the same time. (laughs) But exhortation is an important, important gift that is given for the edification and the buildup of the church. And what's the result? To establish and exhort in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. So they're going through difficulty. They're going through persecution that no one will be moved by these afflictions. The word here is to shake, to be emotionally disturbed as to give up one's beliefs, to give up one's belief shaken in one's belief, to turn back from one's belief, I guess all saying the same thing, so that no one might turn back from his beliefs because of these persecutions. That's the portion we read, the verse we read. When persecutions come, we, we have a tendency to ask the question Am I doing the Lord's will? Why is this happening to me? Maybe I'm not, I'm not following the Lord. Maybe the Lord is punishing me for something. And we have to be very careful not to jump to that conclusion. The Lord asked Abraham, I tell my wife that all the time, to follow him by faith. And he went. And they they ended up where in the land of Canaan, and there was famine in the land. Good Abraham says, "Did you lead me here, Lord?" It couldn't have been right. Should we doubt the Lord's leading? But the Lord permits us to go through difficulty, permits us to go trials, and we need to learn the lesson, which is really to be dependent on Him in all circumstances, and to accept everything from His. And loving hand that deals with us. He is building us. He is helping us grow. He, there's reasons for these things and we need to be saying, speak Lord for thy servant heareth. it. That should be our attitude. Speak Lord for your servant hear you. We need to be accepting from the Lord those difficulties. Now, why, was, why were they having difficulty? Could it have been the Jews that caused the trouble? didn't like the fact that some Jews and some prominent uh, Thessalonians became followers of the way, followers of Christ? Could it have been that? Or could it have been just circumstances and difficulties in life? Uh, It could be both. But remember this, when you're in God's will, Satan is not happy. And Satan will cause trouble. I mean, this week... After we had a glorious time at VBS, two issues came up for the elders to discuss, and we got into heated discussions on textbook on, on texting. And I hate texting. To me, it's uh, I'd rather see a person face to face, and and not uh, words are harsh. Um, I got angry this week with a customer that uh, Steve sold. And while Steve was having fun at uh, at, um, at Erequena, uh, this woman calls to tell me that, um, Steve, also, we're going to do this extra for her. And it's like this woman got so much from us for free and she's asking for more. Now, Steve didn't tell me this. And I said, I'm sure he didn't think this through. This is going to require another visit and this and that. And this woman seems to just be asking for for free things. So I sat one evening and I'm typing this email. And I'm like, what is this? You just want, you give me, give me, give me. What is this? I'm saying this this to her, like you're taking us for fools or what? I mean, my wife said, don't send it, (laughs) Sleep, sleep over it. But then I noticed in the woman's email, call me, she said. I said, maybe the phone call would be better. So I picked up the phone and I called her. For 45 minutes, we were on the phone. And it ended up with, she would rather that we spend the extra time and make her sign better, and she's willing to pay the extra money. And here I was thinking she wants it for free. <laughs> from, from the past, that's the impression I got. And But so sometimes, sometimes we have wrong impression of people or we jump to wrong conclusions. And so I, I hate texting. So here, t- Satan tempted us this week, is we've had some heated discussion where we didn't agree on things. Does it happen to you here, amen, this way? Where some of you see one way and some of you see another way, and you can't. Sometimes you can't persuade each other. But when you're in person, it's better, better, better there to persuade than to make decisions. And it's not just a vote, it's like you're able to, to contribute to this. Anyway, so after, after I said th- I disagree two times to two issues, I sent an email yesterday to all that I said to this brother, I love your big heart and what you're trying to do. And I said, let me say that at least. And I, I was reading this portion of scriptures about the Apostle Paul and love and all this. And I said, let me send that text. And it's just, it, it, it calmed us down a little bit and we're able to accept each other. We're not all the same. We may differ in opinion and views. And the Lord chose that diversity for a reason. It brings balance. And it, it helps us think. Sometimes we are we have the zeal and we don't have the knowledge. And sometimes we have the zeal and the knowledge. And sometimes we don't have either one. Well, I don't know about, about you, but sometimes that happens with us. We have a point of view, and that point of view is not changed. It's like a person who'd say... My mind is made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. So here we have, in this chapter, the word faith, you notice in these verses, appearing five times. In verse 2, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, and verse 10. It's not something. Paul is concerned about their faith. That's what he's concerned about. He's concerned that they might be weakened. And that's why he sent Timothy. So, faith has three meanings the word faith. One is the saving faith that's exercised at salvation, at conversion, the saving faith. Two, faith and trust in God and his word in our daily life, exercising faith and trust with the one who leads us. That's another faith, faith that's working. And then the faith, thats the whole body of Christian doctrine. We find that was once uh, for all delivered to the saints in Jude's 3. So that's the set of doctrines. And in these verses, all three of them were being used. <clears throat> Next word we like to look at is afflictions. Afflictions. That no one be moved by these afflictions. or oppression, to cause someone to suffer trouble or hardship, to cause trouble, to persecute, to cause or suffer hardship. To bring suffering on those who make you suffer, in 2 Thessalonians one six, and the gate is narrow and the way is difficult to travel. That's also the difficult is the suffering there. In John 16, 33, the Lord told his disciples, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He who is with us is bigger and mightier than who is in the world. Indeed, and Paul says in 2 Timothy, Indeed, all who who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution or will be persecuted. I guess this translation got me confused. All who live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Now, this raises a question that I ask myself sometimes. Am I persecuted? We all play, pray pray for a life of ease and peace and comfort. And do we, at times, look for value that more than our testimony for the Lord? Do we compromise? Do we become quiet sometimes because we want to enjoy peace? When the... Apostles were imprisoned and they were praying for Peter when he was imprisoned. It says that they all became more bold and they said, We must must obey God more than man. The persecution that they received did not hinder them. Uh, Let's live in peace with our neighbors, let's not create any waves. Are you quiet on the job? Are you avoiding that look from others? You know, we could be ourselves with the company of believers and speak of God's love and forgiveness. But do we think it foolish? We don't want to appear foolish to the world, that we avoid saying it. Oh, they may call us fanatics, But We are fans of Christ, are we not? Let's not forget that. Let's not trade comfort and peace for persecution for the Lord's sake. In 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's sharing his suffering and we're we'll asked to do that in this world. Second Corinthians 4 verse 16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, Our inner being is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not for the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We need to take our focus off the here and now the things we can feel and touch and believe in that world to come how many times i can tell you this that uh, growing up in the middle east the saints spoke spoke a lot about the coming of the lord Mm -hmm. times were rough economy was bad government was oppressive not many jobs for Christians. If you're in the Ba'ath party in Syria, you had it made, but if you're not. I had a, I had a, a cousin, a first cousin, who was a genius in mathematics. He was in a school of engineering, a civil engineer. He was every year the first in his class. Came to the last year, a Muslim gets up, and he's left behind. Why? Because they got a scholarship to go out, out abroad and continue. Why are Christians persecuted? Now, it's not just believers, even nominal Christians. Those in the Ba'ath party in Syria were ahead of those who are not, and those who are Muslim ahead of those who are Christians. After all, in a Muslim country, a Christian is supposed to be like a second-class citizen. And even in Quran, it says that they should be paying taxes. They should be subdued and paying taxes. So our world is not fair. Our world is not fair. That the point I was going to, have to bring that Christians in the Middle East they're anxious for the Lord's return because the world is not fair because life is not easy for them. But here we have ease. And if you're if you're American, you don't believe that. I listened to a report yesterday. We were listening to Zig Ziglar on uh, uh, on a recorded uh, thing, and he says. Do you know why uh, immigrants, uh, more percentage of immigrants, succeed in this country? Because they look at this as land of opportunity, and they work very hard, and that's how they become achievers. I remember I I came to this country after a year and a half. I was doing 10 hours of work every day and going to school at night from 6 to 10. And in a year and a half, I had two years of high school to finish. I finished in a year and a half, and I was a valedictorian. Uh, how many of you came to my graduation? Do you remember that? I, I, you've taken pictures even then. And uh, the, 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 guiding, uh, the guidance counselor said, yeah, we seem to have foreigners that get the valedictorian and, and salutatorian in this country. Uh, we work harder and we look at this as land of opportunity. But so if you're from this country and you take things for granted, you may not see this. And after a while we all get accustomed, and we, life becomes comfortable, and we may, not, we may not appreciate what we have in this country, the freedom that we have, the opportunity that we have. The fact that you have a government that's, that there's checks and balances in government, there is no oppression. It's not those that get on top, will get rich, and the rest have no opportunity. There's still fairness in this country because it's based on Judeo-Christian values. And we need to appreciate that. But so in the Middle East, Lord, come, please come, Lord Jesus. We want us to be delivered. In this country, we make our lives very comfortable here. And it becomes more of a heaven on earth. We need to be longing for heaven. We don't know what it's like Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. For the things that are unseen are eternal. So we need to have faith in that. Like the Thessalonians were. Bill MacDonald, in his commentary, talks about five reasons why trials are necessary in our lives. He says they prove the reality of our faith. And we doubt those that are mere professors in 1 Peter 1.7. They also enable us to comfort and encourage others who are going through trials. Isn't it, isn't it true? Sometimes having experienced the trial, you're able to comfort someone else. You can say, I've been there. I know what that is like. Of course, the other party will say, nobody knows what I'm going through. We always think our burden is bigger than anybody else's. Nobody ever experienced it, but we all experience the same thing. They develop certain graces such as endurance in our character, so it builds our character. Also, they make us more zealous for spreading the gospel. They had more boldness when they were persecuted rather than shy away the early disciples. And they develop or remove dross in our lives. In Job twenty three ten. Now we look at this portion verses six to ten, from uh, that's Timothy's report. So Timothy is now back from his trip, and that's the reason why Paul sat and write this letter. He uh, he received this good report and said, "I'm going to write these saints." But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason brothers in all our distress and afflictions you have been comforted uh, you have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live If you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we render to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? And verse 10, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So, Paul wrote this letter. He is encouraged. And he calls it good news. Good news of your faith and love. Faith and love. Now, could Timothy have affected that? He may have. His his presence may have encouraged them. And that may have strengthened their faith. And he was well-received. And, and there's nothing like a report when you are well received. You saw these children follow the Lord in obedience and baptism. You come back, you've worked with them, you know their lives. You're thrilled. You're thrilled to speak of the work of God in their lives. I know sometimes we don't see many souls saved. Sometimes we long to see a babe in Christ. There's nothing like seeing someone come to know the Lord. It's just exciting to see a life changed. Uh, I haven't experienced much of that lately. But I know that years ago, and when you talk about years ago, people get annoyed at me. Because what, what, what is new? What do you have new? What do I hear about the past? But I know the Lord, we were praying when, we, when I was fellowshipping in Jersey City for a Spanish, for, for Spanish believers. We were living in Jersey City, which was predominantly Hispanic. And as the, as the white Americans moved away, Uh, to the suburbs, uh, those who were left in the city were where the houses were occupied by Hispanics. So we were 40% of Arabic descent, Jordanian, Egyptian, Syrians. Maybe I was the only Syrian, but there were mainly Jordanians that were in the chapel. So there was was a representation of the neighborhood and, and Egyptians, but there was also Hispanics. So we had Americans who were commuting back into Jersey City to the chapel, and we had... One Hispanic woman who was married to an Indian, she's from Spain, but no Hispanics from Latin America. And we're saying this is not a good representation of the neighborhood. So we were praying that the Lord will send us Hispanics. And as we were praying for this, one brother comes back from, uh, from his work with the Navy and he was saved by the navigators. And this brother Angel spoke, came, came back home and witnessed to his younger brother about the Lord and his younger brother accepted the Lord. His younger brother then witnessed to his friend in school. And his friend accepted the Lord. Then a friend brought another friend. And we were seeing, one by one, coming from mainly Catholic background, Hispanics, that they were were just rejoicing. We were just such rejoicing. And we were like, Lord, prepare us to receive all these ones. So they were wearing uh, black jackets with studs and this and that. And we would send them to, uh, to York, Pennsylvania, to, uh, to Bible studies. And the, uh, the folks there and the, the saints there, they were like not used to that, uh, to that crowd. But they were eager to learn the word. And I, uh, I was very worried because they were listening to everybody. And I started making sure we have good books for them and so forth. And they were starting to meet in the home. And uh, I said, look, we have a youth group here in the chapel. Come and join us. They finally fi- uh, joined us because they were just so eager to learn. Those who were the saints' children were like, ah, you've got to force-feed them the word. But these new saints, they were like sponges. They wanted, they wanted to hear more and learn more. It was just a wonderful thing to see. Uh, today, this younger brother, Kaz, is one of the elders in Jersey City. It just so nice to see how the Lord changes lives and, 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 and brings them to himself. <clears throat> What was the point I was bringing here? Brought to us the good news of your faith and love. And that you always remember us kindly and long to see us. There must have been some negative report about Paul. Why he disappeared so quickly. And maybe some people said, maybe he was a coward. Maybe he is afraid and maybe that's why he left. I don't know. But maybe some negative report has happened. But then they spoke kindly of him, which is good that they had, they had that. So had Timothy helped with this, or they, they just didn't think that way. But maybe there was a concern on the apostles in, in his mind. Spoke, remembered us kindly and longed to see us as we long to see you, long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, you've been we've, we've been comforted about you through your faith. We've been comforted about you. So that brought comfort to the apostles' heart. It brought comfort to know of their faith and trust in the Lord. Doesn't it encourage you when you hear someone that you brought to the Lord is walking with the Lord. Someone you brought to the Lord is growing, is desiring more to, to live a life pleasing to the Lord. I remember uh, after my cancer surgery back in 2000, um, I learned one lesson, That like one lesson I learned from this was to, that life is not to be taken for granted, the bravery of life. And the importance of being a testimony, to being an evangelist, to win souls for the Lord. Sometimes we, we're given opportunities and we lose we, we, we lose those opportunities. We pray, Lord, give us an opportunity, but there are opportunities around us and we don't see them. Well, I was on a plane with, with two girls from Germany. I was heading to Munich and then from there to Italy for work and... Um, one gal sat by the window, and she just fell asleep. The one that was sitting in the middle was up, and I was sitting there. And I said, Lord, let me start a conversation and bring the conversation to, to your things. And um, so I asked her the question, how do you perceive life? What is life? And from there, a philosophical question back and forth. I said, life is to be lived for, for God's glory. And started explaining to her more about that. At the end of the trip, uh, this young German accepted the Lord as her Savior. And I remember seeing good, saying goodbye to her at the airport. I don't know anybody in Germany. But I had, well, find a Bible-believing church and go meet with them. And, and it was like a sister in the Lord, a babe in Christ. How wonderful it would it be to hear news that she's still with the Lord, or she's still walking with the Lord. We, he, he was comforted to know this. For now we live if we are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day. now Imagine that about the Apostle Paul. During the day he prays and during the night he prays. It's not like all day and all night. He thanks the Lord, he remembers them in prayer. Twenty years had passed after I left Syria, and we had lived in Lebanon for a couple of years on uh, our way to, to, the, to the U.S. trying to get papers ready, and we entered the U.S. as refugees. Uh, because of our circumstance, they allowed us to come in as refugees. And, uh, 20 years later, one of the elders in the assembly in Beirut came to visit. And uh, he was, there was a civil war going on in Lebanon, and he was trying to get his family over to the U.S. So in his visit, he's, he sees me, and, and he always calls me Kamal, a mighty man of valor, like Gideon. I love that name, mighty man of valor. I wish I could live up to that. But he said something to me that just astonished me. He said, he's known to be a man of prayer. He and his wife get up every day at four in the morning, and they pray for two hours. This is, he's a beekeeper, and he works uh, with this business that just supports him, and he's serving the Lord all the time. This brother said, we've been praying for you every day for the past one years." I remember in the middle of the week in a prayer meeting, Say, Lord, open the door. We're afraid to go back to Syria. But open the door that will come to the US. And the Lord was not opening that door. And the saints there, they said, Lord, may your will be done. Help them from going there and getting uh, from going astray because they were afraid. America is a land of drugs and uh, premarital sex and this and they were. 18 years of age, they don't want us to come to the U.S. They were worried about this. So we were praying for an open door, they were praying the Lord will protect us from that open door. And it's like, well, they were concerned. They were concerned about us. Well, the Lord did open the door, but they kept praying. They were fearful that we might go astray, that we must stray away from the faith. They kept praying night and day. Well, they prayed every day for us. And that Overwhelmed me. This brother, during the war, he lived on the on the east side of Beirut, and Beirut was kind of divided, east and west, the Christian community and the Muslim community, and uh, there was just destruction going on. The Lord has blessed this brother, and he was very loving and concerned about the saints. Every day or once a week, he t- he took a trip, and made sure some saints who were living on the west side had food in their homes. He took he he took chances and he went to see the and, and wow, time has passed, huh? Okay. I am I'm gonna jump here. He said to supply what is lacking, to supply what is lacking. He saw there was something lacking. He felt maybe he didn't give them everything. And he wanted them to know certain things. What is lacking? And then Paul's prayer is in the last three verses. I'm just going to read them. Paul's prayer says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ for, for his saints, with all his saints. Our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. It is interesting that the apostle... Always think of the maturity of the believers, of the growth of the believers, their standing in the Lord, their position, living a life pleasing to Him. May our prayers be such that we're concerned about the welfare of others and their spiritual standing and their pleasing to the Lord. Shall we close in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are to know that You love us and You have placed people on earth here, brothers and sisters in Christ, who love us and care for us. We pray that we also may be loving and that we may show that love to others like the apostle Paul showed to his, to his believers, to his, to his the children in the faith, the Thessalonian believers. We pray that each of us will, will have that burden that we can be praying every day for those young in the faith, that they may be strong that they may be established, that they may not be shaken, that they may grow in the, in the knowledge of the Savior. Lord, encourage us with good reports. We pray for the saints here, the ones who will be working together to reach lost ones for you, and to encourage believers. We pray that the working together will be an encouragement, there will be a sense of unity and love and peace. And we pray, Lord, for souls to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.